Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, March 22nd, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, before we get started on all things theatrical, first I want to send out a hearty congratulations to our friends Brian and Kevin, uh, most notably from Broad Wasted, but also from the Popcorn Project podcast. They they caught up, almost. They got to Infinity War, and uh, they released the full episode of their Infinity War recap uh, this morning at, at midnight. I'm already uh, about two-thirds of the way through, and we're recording before 8 a.m., so that tells you how excited I was to hear Kevin's response to that. So if you haven't been following, go over there. I've got their Twitter account in there so you can get all the information, but uh, it's a great show. I've been on it a couple times. It's a lot of fun, and if you love MCU and Broadway, it's a great way to kind of co- connect the two. And then also, James, we had some Pretty, pretty big news yesterday uh, that I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on. But yesterday, the Tony Awards announced that uh, two of our favorites, B.B. Newworth and Brandon Victor Dixon, hopefully people who can pronounce the names of, of Broadway artists, um, will be announcing the 73rd annual Tony Award nominations live on Tuesday, April 30th. The live stream starts at 830, guys. So uh, don't don't Stream's freak out working. at 8 o'clock. Stream's not working. Stream. It's the fourth year in a row we're going to go through this thing, isn't it, James? Yeah. Uh, did you listen to uh, Broadwasted's uh, St. Patrick's Day live podcast thing? Oh, I, I didn't know that the live uh, one was out yet. Well, I, I, I'm not sure that it came out yet, but I assume no. that it was, it was out. Uh, no, but they had their, no, their episode- they were at the Green Room 42, was it? Yeah. Yeah, on this past Sunday, their episode this week uh, features uh, uh, Christina Bianco. So I don't think that the live one is out. Or if it even is coming out, I don't know. But uh, it's not out yet, I don't think. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> my goodness. They talk about crossing of the streams. That's a perfect uh, holiday. That's Christmas for the Broadwasted folks. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, uh, it's, it's Kimberly's birthday is on March yes. 17th. So okay. it was perfect. Yeah, it's crossing of the three streams. All right. So uh, first up in the news, critics disagree on Ain't Too Proud on Broadway. And did they ever, James? Uh, This is one that came in with not the best word of mouth, um, especially after the fact that it already had four out-of-town tryouts. So people felt like it was fairly significantly set in stone as to what this show would be. Yet, as is art is subjective – Critics had very different opinions on it. Uh, This show obviously is subtitled The Life and Times of the Temptations and uh, features the legendary Motown catalog and a book by the great Dominique Maurice. So it's directed by Des McEnough and Sergio Trujillo. Um, I won't go through the entire cast, uh, but I will talk about the Temptations themselves. Derek Baskin, James Harkness, Juwan M. Jackson, Jeremy Pope, and Ephraim Sykes. James, uh, the, the we often talk about reviews not having as much impact as they used to, but one still does, and that is the New York Times. And fortunately for them, Ben Brantley of The Grey Lady made the show a critic's pick because everything is a critic's pick these days. Uh, he wrote, quote, while honoring all the expected biomusical cliches, which include rolling out its subjects' greatest hits in brisk and sometimes too fragmented succession, this production refreshingly emphasizes the improbable triumph of rough, combustible parts assembled into glistening smoothness. But it, it is also true that time, unforgiving and unstoppable, is cannily presented as the shaping element in Ain't Too Proud the Life and Times of the Temptations, which opened on Thursday under the shrewd direction of Des McEnough with sensational choreography by Sergio Trujillo. 
As the show charts the changing fortunes of men who become synonymous with Motown's glory days, the years keep moving forward with the relentlessness of a conveyor belt in an auto-making assembly line. Good Detroit reference there, Ben. Um, ultimately, though, it's the music that's the sole survivor, and that's what's being celebrated here. The collective miracle of a blissfully silken sound forged out of the clashing egos, many misfires, and life-wrecking hard work into numbers that keep playing in our memories. Now, as positive as a review from the paper of record is, the next two reviews are more in line with the word of mouth that I have heard and many of the critics from those four previously mentioned out-of-town tryouts. The great Sarah Holdren from Vulture said, quote, It's a crying shame that a musical about the Temptations should have such a stodgy sense of rhythm. But perhaps there's something about a steady rolling about the steady rolling tempos of the great R&B group's dozens of hits that makes it difficult to shape them into a drama, which once peaks and valleys accelerandras and fermatas. Mike Nichols once quipped that the secret to directing is to stage stage some scenes fast and some scenes slow. But with Ain't Too Proud, Des McEnough seems satisfied to keep things bobbing, well, more like plodding, along. While the tunes themselves are predictably wonderful and the cast's voice is ravishing, Ain't Too Proud itself has no real arc or engine. As a play, it slides mechanically by like one of its own actors who often enter and exit riding conveyor belts, there we go, in the floor of Robert Brill's towering monochrome set. Dominique Mauricio's book has moments of wit, but it's also got plenty of corny clunkers and ultimately feels like a stroll through the band's Wikipedia page, plus very good songs. Terry Teachout from the Wall Street Journal kind of summed it up really well, I thought. He said, quote, Ain't Too Proud, the new Temptations jukebox musical is a Broadway musical for people who don't like Broadway musicals or maybe for people who only like jukebox bio musicals. The score is terrific, as are the singing and pit band, but Sergio Trujillo's choreography is way too slick. The real-life Temptations moved like street corner kids from Detroit, not glammed-up 42nd Street gypsies, and the projection-heavy set design is plottingly dull. As for Dominique, Dominique Mauricio's book, it sounds as though a room full of ad executives wrote it. Ouch. Not good. Um, for some additional context, though, Adam Feldman gave the show three out of five stars in Time Out, and Matt Winman gave it three out of four stars uh, in AM New York. So, uh, James, things do seem to be a little bit uh, all over the place, but at least everybody agrees that the music of The Temptations is undoubtedly great, and this cast is fantastic. So if you're going to – if you're interested in seeing it, at least you're not going to walk away completely disappointed. Okay, so the folks in marketing have gotten the uh, the great pull quotes here from the New York Times and other outlets. Yep. Uh, now it's the ball is in your court, marketing folks. Make it <laughs> run. Yeah. All right, British actress let go from the UK production of The Color Purple for homophobic so, homophobic social media posts. Yeah, James, this has been a major story on theatrical social media for about a week, um, and it finally got a resolution at least for now, because who knows what comes next. But earlier this month, a British actress named Sei Omumba was uh, announced. Uh, she was actually most recently in Hades Town at the National Theater, but she was announced to be playing Seely in a production of The Color Purple produced by the Lester Curve at the Birmingham Hippodrome. Now, just for some context, the Hippodrome is a major UK theater that hosts opera, ballet, West End tour stops, 
annual Christmas pantomimes and more. In fact, it is the most well attended theater annually uh, of any venue in the UK. So it's a it's a big deal. And naturally, this drew some attention because last Friday, Aaron Lee Lambert, who is currently in the ensemble of London's production of Hamilton, tweeted a screenshot of a Facebook post that Omumba had written in 2014. And while I'm not going to get into all of the specifics, basically, she quoted a bunch of Bible verses and said that, quote, I do not believe you can be born gay and I do not believe homosexuality is right. Though the law of this land has made it legal, and mind you, she's talking about being gay, not even gay marriage, but just being gay is legal. Uh, she continues, it, quote, doesn't mean it's right. She then goes on to say that Christians need to stop uh, to step up and stop being lukewarm in what they believe. Now, obviously, James, just in general, these statements coming to light would be troubling for a lot of people in the arts community. But when you combine that with the fact that Omumba was just announced to be playing a pretty noteworthy uh, LGBTQ character, it drew some significant concerns from across the board. Well, after a week or so, Curve in the Hippodrome released a statement saying, quote, following careful reflection, it has been decided that Say will no longer be involved with the production. This decision was supported by the authors and theatrical rights worldwide. So, James, I don't I don't know if I have a ton of insight to say about this, as it's kind of a, a nice full circle and wraps up on its own. Um, other than the fact of of just I, I'm kind of over the whole thing of justifying hate with with religious beliefs. I am decidedly not religious, uh, despite being raised Catholic and going to Catholic school and all that stuff. But I'm not religious kind of for those same reasons. And at this point, the only thing that I have to say to people who still believe things like this, to quote a different color purple character, is – Hell no. Either that or bye, Felicia. Either one. I'm, I'm just kind of <laughs> over it. Okay, so we've got another set of reviews. This time it's for White Noise at the Public. Yeah, we do, James. This opened uh, on Wednesday night uh, while we were recording, and this is the uh, new play by Suzanne Laurie Parks. Features David Diggs, Thomas Sadowski, uh, Zoe Winters, and Shariah Irving. And this is the one that I thought depending on how it does, could have a chance for an uptown tryout. Well, we'll see what happens. But of course, Ben Brantley, New York Times, critics pick. Uh, he said, though white noise runs a full three hours and skids on some of its, its plot twists, it doesn't feel long. By its end, you may marvel at how many forms, faces, and exploitative uses of racial identity it has covered. However, a lot, Alexis Solosky of The Guardian felt differently. She said, quote, has Parks been too free here or not free enough? The play feels overlong and somehow abridged. Confined to four characters, it is narrow where it might have been expansive and sensational when it might have been restrained. When all-out absurdity rears, one character has a white card to join a white club, it's hard to, not, it's hard to know how to take it. Clint Ramos' set, both empty and crowded and, and occasionally a bowling alley, doesn't always help. So those two disagree. And to break the tie, I will always go to uh, this show's official favorite critic, Sarah Holdren. Uh, and while I admit I'm probably not nearly intelligent enough to understand what this paragraph means, I think she is saying uh, that the show is good and that Suzanne Laurie Park knows how to uh, knows how to write a play. Just guessing. But Holdren said, quote, white noise pulses with this same recognition, bracing against the pain that all the destruction of our moment needn't mustn't be the be-all and end-all. That our moment is, in fact, a moment, 
not a death, but a guts rearing transformation. Parks has a Parks was a writing student of James Baldwin from whom she borrows the epigraph for white noise and her play powerfully transmutes his epi, uh, epigrammatic wisdom into boldly embodied truth. Not everything can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. So, James, I don't know if uh, this is going to move uptown or not, but it is uh, extended multiple times, now playing through May 5th at the Public Theater. And um, this is one of those challenging works that a place like the Public does that a lot of other places just won't do. And uh, for that, I applaud them no matter what the commercial outcome eventually is. I think that Sarah Holdren's review needs to move uptown. Uh, I think that that's a standalone show within itself. It's a 400-level English class there. Yes, and and I'm like, I'm still at like barely 101. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm telling you, man, she she raises the discourse. She's awesome. I yep. love her. All right, uh, uh, New York Post Roundup, what is that? Yeah, well, <laughs> the, the Post posted uh, – a bunch of different theatrical stuff last night. So I wanted to run through it all quickly. But first, James, it sounds like we're going to have to take the prom off of Bubble Watch, at least for now, as Michael Riedel is reporting that the show has gotten a recent infusion of cash from its investors to keep it open, at least through the Tony Awards, as it campaigns to hopefully get some wins, including potentially the best musical prize. Now, I don't think that it'll get that one, um, but I'm very happy that it's going to keep running until the awards in order to hopefully give it a chance at success, uh, thanks to whatever nominations it might give. Um, running through the Tonys, or at least through the nominations, is what I always assumed would happen. I thought it would set itself up to get to the Tony nominations. It would then get a you know decent amount of nominations. I don't know if that's six, eight. 10, 12 or whatever, uh, and then try to make its way to the Tony Awards where it can perform and hopefully have an outside chance of winning. But uh, either way, it's good to see that the investors are sticking behind the show, especially since I think that it'll do well on touring uh, and then in at least regional shows and potentially even licensing down the road. Can I interrupt you for a second? Please do, of course. So at the top of the show, we talked about uh, Ain't Too Proud. They got the good reviews got the things that they need in order to market the show and keep it running. I think that the prom is a failure of marketing. And we talked about this a little bit before, but uh, I mean, the prom, could it have better word of mouth and it got uh, good reviews, good notices for them to market the hell out of this show? And I, I'm shocked that it's in this uh, financial shape because we can't get the butts in the seats. So my goodness. Um, it, it's also, I think, James, something about it, it, it. I think it's getting drowned out, especially this season, because of the major brands on Broadway. It is hard to get a show that doesn't have necessarily the grandest story to begin with. It's a great story, but I mean, in terms of size and scope, especially when it doesn't have any kind of intellectual property that people are familiar with behind it. And as much as we love Beth Level and Brooks Ashmanskis and Christopher Siebert, yeah. those aren't names that are going to draw mm -hmm. people out. But when it's it's dominated by things like Pretty Woman and King Kong and Cher um, and coming up, you know, Tootsie and Beetlejuice, I, I think it's 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 just hard to break through all of that when you are literally writing just on the show itself. All those other things have other 
opportunities to draw people in that aren't necessarily even related to the show itself beyond what it's about. And and I think they've done an admirable job. I think we've talked about, as you mentioned, their original art was atrocious. And when they made the change, I think the new art really represents the show much better than it did before. But I think it's as much marketing as it is. I don't know, just the state of Broadway and what actually sells. I want to just, I agree with you. And I just want to point out that a, there was this musical about singing cats that did okay. Yes. 30 years ago though. <laughs> All right. Things get weird at Ain't Too Proud preview. Oh, my God, James. Can you imagine this story? I would die. First off, this is a completely separate article. Riedel posted twice on Thursday night. The second article is about Tuesday's preview at the previously mentioned Ain't Too Proud. And apparently it was a nightmare for the audience, but not because necessarily of what they saw on stage. T to start off, the lesser of all evils. Um, apparently, when Washington Post critic Peter Marks sat down, his seat fell apart, just broke underneath him. Um, so that's bad. I don't Peter um, Washington Post is a uh, paywall. So I have no idea if that impacted Peter's um, uh, review or not. So uh, someone who has a subscription, maybe tell me. But um, then during the first act, Apparently, Michael David, who is a Tony winning producer of Jersey Boys, uh, same creative team here uh, as Ain't Too Proud with Des and Sergio. Um, he got up in the middle of the first act and ran out. Obviously not good. And then a bunch of people that were sitting near him, including other people in his party, ran out with him. That's because someone in the front row of the mezzanine vomited all over them. <sighs> Oh man, we have good times. Should, should have a trigger warning at the top of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, the, the, good good stuff happening over at the uh, at the Imperial. So, can you imagine? Oh, anyway, goodness gracious! Yeah. But we are not done uh, with with the New York Post because moving over to page six, Brian Hood wrote a story reporting that the two surviving members of the iconic R and B girl group TLC are working on a Broadway musical. The group uh, had a pretty tumultuous history, including the death of Lisa Left Eye Lopez in a car accident when she was on vacation in Honduras back in 2002. Now, James, I think this is a dynamite idea. I think that this has the potential to be really, really good. Their music is great, and it's old enough now that uh, their fans are of the theater-going age and, and ticket-buying age. Um, and as they proved in a TV movie that aired in 2017, the group is not shy about spilling tea. It, the, I, I can't imagine that a musical about TLC would be a sanitized version. The, the, the TV movie that they were involved with um, was very much one that had a lot of the twists and turns that you would expect. So um, I'm excited about this, and, and I hope that this is as good as I think it can be. Cool. So uh, I pulled up uh, Peter Marx's Washington Post review, and the headline <laughs> is, The Temptations are now a Broadway musical. They're going to make you love them again. Mm, okay. So Peter, so Peter liked it. Yeah. Uh, he posted some really funny things on social media. I had seen this uh, before Riedel's column came out because uh, Peter and I are, yeah. uh, are friends, and I, I saw that he had pictures of him holding the, the uh, chair – at at the theater, and uh, it's because uh, you know critics are comped, and they don't get that uh, dollar theater restoration fee added to their <laughs> thing. Damn critics! Yeah, exactly. 
All right. Uh, wrapping up today, what do we have in other news? Okay, so let's get through the rest of this stuff super quickly. Um, uh, all right, here we go. After the last-minute casting changes and delayed previews, Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus, has announced that it will be pushing back its opening night from April 11th through the 20 or to the 21st of the month. Um, I think that makes uh, a ton of sense considering it lost uh, its last week of rehearsal and its first week of previews trying to get everybody ready. Next, on Thursday, MTC announced parts of its upcoming 2019-2020 season, which will include Bella Bella, written and performed by Harvey Firestein, in which he gets back to playing a woman this time in the form of the late New York politician Bella Abzig. The show will begin in October. The rest of the season, or at least what was announced yesterday, will feature The Perplexed, written by Tony winner Richard Greenberg, starting in February, and The Best We Could, A Family Tragedy, by Emily Feldman in May. Moving on, Theater of War Productions announced an extended 10-week run of free performances of Antigone of Ferguson at St. Anne and the Holy Trinity Church in Brooklyn. The show will feature a rotating cast including Chris Noth, Paul Giamatti, Amy Ryan, Josh Hamilton, and more. Tickets information is in the show notes. Now, moving back to Midtown, yesterday, Signature Theater announced the casting for the world premiere of Dave Malloy's latest work, Octet. The show will feature Margot Siebert, Kim Blanc, Alex Gibson, and more. Following Ghost Quartet, this is Malloy's second work, whose title includes a numerically named group, and it will begin off-Broadway from April, it'll run off-Broadway from April 30th through June 9th. And finally, James, after what feels like a lifetime of development, the stage musical adaptation of the film August Rush will finally have its world premiere at Chicago's Paramount Theater from April 24th through June 2nd of this year. Directed by John Doyle, the book is by Glenn Berger, and the score is from Mark Mancina, who composed the platinum-selling soundtrack, as well as worked on The Lion King and Moana. If you'd like information on any or all of these stories, please check out the show notes at the aforementioned broadwayradio.com. Uh, don't everybody forget that there will be a quiz on this later, and it's uh, 10% of your grade, so uh, pay attention. Yeah. I All hope right, you're Matt. writing this down. I'm going to test you later. Exactly. Sorry. Very right. good. I like that. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Uh, thanks for listening today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. If you got nothing to do tonight, 9.50 p.m., Ohio State takes on Iowa State in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Ah, and my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Tomorrow, Saturday, in the feed, Andrew Lippa is unbreakable. Matt and oh, I talked yes, to he is. Matt and I talked to Andrew Lippa, and no, well, uh, hold on, hold on, James. No, we didn't. Andrew Lippa talked to us. Yes, he did the vast majority of the talking, and that's the way we want it. He was phenomenal, including a deep dive into the lyrics of Evita. Don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> and, on, and on Sunday, on Sunday, 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 Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia and I will be on This Week on Broadway uh, talking about uh, a bunch of shows from this week. And Monday morning, Matt and I will be back in your ears. We'll talk to you then. 